It's the Opperman Report. Join digital forensic investigator and PI Ed Opperman for an in-depth discussion of conspiracy theories, strategy of New World Order resistance, high-profile court cases in the news, and interviews with expert guests and authors on these topics and more. It's the Opperman Report. And now, here is investigator Ed Opperman. Okay, welcome to the O Anon Report. I am your host, O Anon, and this show is brought to you uh, by emailrevealer.com. You go to emailrevealer.com, uh, you can get a copy of my book, How to Become a Successful Private Investigator, um, autographed copy. Uh, and also, too, if you, if you think your spouse is cheating on you, your boyfriend, your girlfriend's cheating on you, uh, check out our online infidelity investigation. That's where you give us their email address, and we trace it back to online dating websites and personal ads, and we catch them cheating online. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Change the name of the show to the O&On Report, because I have O-level uh, security clearance, and I'm going to be giving you top secret uh, disclosures here. On the Owenon report, rather than the Opperman report, which is so boring. Who needs that anymore, right? <laughs> okay, let's move on. Okay, let's see. Okay, coming up. Okay, I, I had a horrible week this week. <laughs> you have no idea. It has been a horrible, miserable week here at the Owenon report with my O-level security clearance. Uh So tomorrow's show, tonight's show, first of all, we played um, Johnny Vedmore, which is a great guy. But that was a, a show that was in our member section. And then we had some new content from uh, uh, Brian Sadie. Uh, and then tomorrow's show as well will be a, a best of Owen On. It used to be called the Opera Report, but it's, it's the best of the Owen On Report now. Uh, because... Um, Oh, boy, we just had such a crazy week here, man. It's just been so bad. Uh, we couldn't record the show on Thursday morning like we normally do for American Freedom Radio because of a little confusion we had with the guest. It's a really good guest. His name is Jack O'Halloran. Uh, you're going to love this guy. Um, he was on... Uh, um, it was in a movie with Robert Mitchum, one of those old, uh, uh, who's that guy? Philip Marlowe movies, you know? Uh, he played um, Moose Malloy, okay, Jack O'Halloran. And then he was in the uh, Superman series with Christopher Reeve, uh, where he played the guy, one of those villains, uh, Nan was his name, the bearded guy, the tall guy in the middle was spinning around on that plate, you know, the villains who showed up from Krypton. Really fascinating guy. He was a professional boxer. He fought George Foreman and uh, Ken Norton and Ron Lyle. All these great guys back from the 60s and the 70s. Uh, back from my childhood. Man, I love those. That was when boxing was really was a real deal. And uh, so Jack O'Halloran, fascinating guy. His father is uh, Albert Anastasia. Who was murdered, shot down, gunned down by Vincent the Chin Gigante when he was a young man, young boxer himself. At the Sheridan Hotel, and I've told you guys a story about how I used to go to the Sheridan Hotel in Manhattan, get my uh, beard trimmed, where they would put the hot towels on my face. You know, it's old Italian barbershop. The same seats, man. The same, they didn't change that place at all since uh, Anastasia got shot in there. I've seen the pictures. 
They never renovated this place. <laughs> I guess they mopped up the blood, you know, that's about it. <laughs> you know? I think it was the same barber chairs. Man, those things were like 30, 40 years old when I was sitting them back in the 80s. Hey, and I used to go down there. I'd get, I'd get a manicure, get my nails done. Uh, I used to put a nice buff on my nails. I used to love that, man. Uh, and uh, I'd get my beard trimmed there. I had a girlfriend who would cut my hair when, whenever she would give me the time of day to cut my hair. And we used to take a lot of hairdressers back in those days. Um, but I would go down to the Sheridan Hotel there in Manhattan and get my beard uh, trimmed. And they would put the hot towels on your face, you know, and the, the sun lamp, you know, and the witch hazel. <laughs> Old-fashioned Italian barbershop, man. I used to love it. I think I told the story on the air one time. Uh, my biggest memory of that barbershop was uh, there was this one day, it was around August, and I was in Manhattan all day long, and it was like 90 degrees, humid, and I had just broken up with my girlfriend, and I had just found out that uh, it's a business uh, setback, and I wasn't going to be making any money for a couple of months, or three, four months, you know. And I remember being in Manhattan, that hot, wearing a suit. I used to wear a suit and tie, you know, seven days a week back in those days, man, back in the 80s. And I was at this payphone, and I had my briefcase, and I used to carry a, a Pocket 9, a Detonix Pocket 9, 9 millimeter handgun. And it had, like, these rounded off, or, like, the hammer was rounded off, and the, the barrel was rounded off, so you could stick it in your pocket. But I used to carry it in my briefcase. Uh Hair trigger on that thing too, man. Forget it. You pull the trigger on it, it would go off like four times. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. But I remember I had this horrible day. I was out there in the heat. I guess I was all hungover. I broke up with my girlfriend, and I found I wasn't going to be making any money. And I was sitting at this payphone. I was standing out there in the heat, my, my, my suit and tie. And I just said, you know me, I'm going to reach into this briefcase. I'm going to pull out this gun. I'm going to blow my head off right here. But thank God I didn't do that. Instead, I says, you know what? Let me go down to the barber shop and get my beard done and you know, get the hot towel on my face and calm down a bit. And I must have looked like death warmed over walking into that place because the, the barber saw me. I didn't have an appointment or anything. He just told me, oh, Ed, Ed, come sit here, you know. And he, I remember they sat there and they started massaging my shoulders and massaging my head, which they had never done before. You know, they just put the hot towels on you, shave your neck there. And uh, so I guess they saw what bad shape I was in. Just started massaging my ass. I wouldn't kill myself in his chair. But anyway, that's the the Sheridan Hotel. I got a bunch of stories about that hotel. Forget it. That's where I first ran into Keith Hernandez. If you remember that story, that bum. Don't get me started, Keith Hernandez. I'm still looking for you. <sighs> okay. Anyway, so I was supposed to have on the great Jack O'Halloran. He's got this story about the JFK assassination too. Fascinating guy. I like him a lot. But we had a little mix up there. Where he didn't make the, the the recording of the show. I also have another show that I taped about the smiley face killers. This woman, Anika. Aniki. All right. I got Harper. I'm not doing too good today. <laughs> I'm barely holding it together, guys. So stick with me here. It's 7.09. We've got, we got 15 minutes to go. <laughs> okay. Minus some four minutes of commercials. This woman, uh, Inika, Aniki, Iniki. Okay. 
Well, I had her on the show, and uh, she believes that she ran into the smiley face killers in uh, Wisconsin up there, I think it is. Minnesota, up there in Minnesota. And um, so I taped an hour with her. And I'm going to put it in the member section along with the documents that she sent me. She has like a manifesto from one of these guys that she believes is part of the Smiley Face Killers. Now she comes well endorsed by a, a Jim Rothstein. I listened to her story and maybe she was nervous or what. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't really catch where, where the, uh, what, what was so convincing about it. So I, I couldn't use that. That's going up in the member section. And I got to show what Barry Prince is going up in the member section. So... I'm playing tomorrow a best of, I, I guess we'll call it best of the Opperman Report, even though the show's not going to be called the Onan, <laughs> the Onan Report, uh, with Betty Metzger, who was, uh, you know, we know about COINTELPRO because of Betty Metzger, because her friends uh, broke into the FBI office and they found all the documents about the COINTELPRO program, uh, for the FBI COINTELPRO, and, uh, and she's the one who, who printed it in the Washington Post. And that's how we know about these things. So I've had Betty on the show before for two hours. Great guest. Uh, wonderful woman. Uh, award-winning uh, journalist. And we're going to be playing that Saturday night. So no new content. I got a lot of new stuff going up. In uh, next week, a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, we have a, a show about Asata Shakur, who used to be called Joanne Chesimard. Uh She's an American hero, revolutionary, who's down in, uh, uh, in Cuba right now. Uh, because uh, of some charges she's facing here in the United States. I have some uh, Anthony Mielo coming back, and we're going to be talking about Glenn Rogers. And coincidentally, I have another development, because we're going to be um, uh, possibly going down and interviewing Glenn Rogers in person on death row. Now, you might know Glenn Rogers, a confessed serial killer, and he, he and there's some pretty good theory and evidence out there that he might have been the one who killed uh, Nicole Simpson and Ron Brown, uh, Ron Goldman. Uh, so, and I have an in to go down there, you know, someone who was legally, we have a document and everything who invited me to go down there. So we're working on that as we speak. So that's what's coming up. Now, what a week. This week, uh, I watched this movie um, with uh, Steve Carell from The Office, and where he plays Bobby Riggs, and it's a movie about Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. And if you grew up in the 70s, like around 1973, I guess it was, where they had the Battle of the Sexes, this uh, tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. And I remember, you know, being a kid and watching this. And I was on the side of Billie Jean King. I was, you know, on the side of the feminist. Uh, although I'm not now. <laughs> but anyway, at the time I was. Uh, and it was just this, you know, really took the country by storm. It was this big controversy, you know, the, the chauvinist against the feminist. You know, and who was going to win? You know, could women stand up to men? Could women compete with men? Blah, blah, blah. And he was 55. He was older than her. He was taking these vitamins. Fascinating story. Just a wonderful time in history. So innocent in so many different ways, man, compared to what we'll be talking about tonight. But the one thing is that uh, I had a guest on my show here, Jim Hunt, who is the nephew of uh, Frank Sturgis, Frank Fiorini, the Watergate burglar and alleged uh, uh, JFK assassin. Uh, 
And one of the things he told me, Jim Hunt told me about Professor Jim Hunt. He's a college professor, a law professor down there in Texas. And one of the things he told me was, hey, you know, Ed, my uncle fixed the match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs because Bobby Riggs was a really heavy gambler. I guess he had a lot of gambling debts to organized crime. And Frank, Frank Fiorini, uh, um, Frank Sturgis had a lot of connections to organized crime because you know, of high lie. <laughs> this whole thing. But anyway, so they cut a deal with Bobby Riggs to throw the, the match and uh, to help pay off his gambling debts and I guess put some money in his pocket. And that's one of the things about doing this show that is just so uh, satisfying, you know, that I have access to a great guy like Jim Hunt and so many of the guests that are great people just I've become friends with, man, I just really love them, you know, like Mark Ebner and, you know, Jim Hunt, A.J. Weberman, you know, from my childhood, you know, Reverend Ed Pinkney, just some of these people you admire and you love them, uh, Jim Rothstein, even Juanita Broderick, people like that, you know, and Sally Miller and stuff, you know, just wonderful people, iconic figures in history that I get to meet and talk to and become friends with, and it really is wonderful. But there's also such a downside to doing this show and exposing myself to all this crap. You know, and even last week I made a little comment and I said, a great peril to myself I do this, you know. And someone laughed about it. Ha, 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 oh, so funny, great peril. You know, I, you know, no kidding aside, you know, there, there is a lot, there's a lot of downside to this. There's a lot of um, danger. There's a lot of... Uh, repercussions that come with this you know and a lot of hassle and annoyances and stuff i guess you got to take the, the the bad with the good you know and especially this week i've been working on this thing since 2016 this young girl who ran away from home when she was 15 years old in december 2016 Oh, boy. And, you know, I've thrown myself into this case trying to locate this kid. Because I know she's at risk. Not not at risk as being trafficked or prostitution or anything like that. But she is with a guy who's abusing her. Horribly. Even to the point where um, they had a pet cat and he broke the leg on the cat, you know. And I, so, I, you know, I've been dealing with... Her family and her parents and this guy's family and his parents and stuff like that and all their friends, you know, and, and trying to get sources and informants to help me out and locate this kid and rescue her from the situation she's in. It's a dead-end situation. You know? It's one of those things really, you know, you, you take personal. It's a personal... I'm, I'm personally involved. I'm emotionally in, in, uh, in, in involved in this thing, you know? And um, I thought I had her. I thought I had her this week, Wednesday. I thought I had this kid. I found her. And um, I did find him. I found. I knew what, where they were in. I knew they were in this motel. I found them. But before we could get her rescued, they, they got out. They got away. 
you know, and part of the reason why they got away was because of uh, some jerk annoying me about the show. You know, someone who just had to have my attention and had to be messaging me and contact, you know, uh, for no reason other than just demanding attention from me. So, you know, people, you wonder why, you know, I'm so angry all the time and impatient and, you know, uh, short tempered. That's one of the reasons why. You know, is there's just such a demand for my attention and my time and stuff like that for no reason. You know, no, I got to stay focused on what I'm doing here. I got to stay focused on doing the show and bring you quality material and work. And but also still got to stay focused on my work. And it's hard for me to do, to continue doing both. And I really wonder if I can continue both. And it really kills me because I seek benefits in both areas. But I'm just so uh, drained and so uh, spread so thin here that I'm both are suffering. The show suffers and then because I blew that guest, you know, we had for Thursday, you know, I became a mess. And I and the, the kid got away. So what do I do? And uh, you know, you I tell you, I do this at great peril tomorrow. You know, I've had real, real problems from doing this show not the stuff you hear people talking about you know i don't want to mention any names but you're, oh it was an attempted assassination i was driving on the road and trying to run me off the, you know, yeah i'm not gonna sit here and talk about that kind of stuff but even this week again another character pigeonholes me ed we want to interview you you know and then there was no real interview. The guy gets me on the phone for an hour and a half, and it's this whole crap trying to manipulate me into believing this FISA memo and and the, 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 the dodgy dossier and Trump is in it. You know, just like people, especially these Trump supporters, they have no problem just grabbing your line, contacting me under false pretenses, taking up my time and lying to me and trying to manipulate me. No problem whatsoever doing that. And it's so freaking draining, you have no idea. It is just so draining from both my my work and the show. Draining from both. And a distraction from both, all my work. I got I got to stay focused, man. Because uh, I know that's the one thing I got going for me. Is I got this laser focus that I can keep going on. You know? And then I'm watching this uh, story in the news this week. This David and Louise Turpin. This crazy couple out there in California with the 13 kids. And they got kids as old as 29 years old. They've never seen a doctor, never seen a dentist. The kids are so underweight, they'd been chained to their beds for months at a time as punishment. And they were here in Vegas a few times with this Elvis impersonator wedding chapel. And I tried to get a hold of them and get an interview with them, stuff like that. It was all, it was garbage, you know, nothing we can use on the air. But, you know, they've just repeated the same stuff that you've heard in the news. And it turns out that this couple, 
is Dave and Louis Turpin. They're involved in that same denomination as the Dugers, you know, the Duger family. They, they, God calls you to have a bunch of babies, you know, let them give birth to all these kids, you know. So, but you, you see how this family just took such a wrong turn in their life where they, um, they lost their way in life and became so isolated that this guy would have this bizarre haircut and, it, and, and, and his wife, you know, he married this woman and she was like 17 years old. He was like 10 years older than her, 11 years older than her. And uh, where, you know, this faith, they believe that the, the, the father's the head of the house, which I believe, you know, but, but in this kind of exaggerated way where the children have no rights at all. And these children were never allowed to, to grow up and, and even feed themselves and, and, and emancipate themselves in any way. And this bizarre thing where they were marching around in a circle inside their home there. Because these people lost sight of reality. In an extreme way that, that everyone can look at them and, and see. Well, they've lost everything. Whoa, it. That family torturing these 13 kids and molesting their kids and, and chaining them to beds and not feeding them. Oh, 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 of course, they're crazy. And we could all point our fingers at them and say, well, they're just crazy. They've lost touch with reality. But what's the title of my show? The Owen on uh, <laughs> Because there's, a, there's a, a, a group of people out there that have lost touch with reality and fallen into this QAnon crazy nonsense of these cryptic clues and messages and oh look we've proven Kunan is right again Moda this is you know they've lost touch with reality you know it's the same thing we can look at those uh, the, 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 the Turpin family Dave and Louise Turpin and see, well, they've lost their minds because they've isolated themselves and they, they've brought in, they, they have no um, uh, baseline of, of rationality. And they've gotten more isolated and more isolated, more extreme and more extreme. So they, they're starving their own kids and chaining up their own kids and dressing them like, you know, degenerated into insanity. And this is something we got to look at, folks. This is something we got to snap out of. Because <laughs> look at our, our government. I'm watching this thing on TV right now. But the, the, the Congress is in, a, in an uproar. They can't even, uh, can't even uh, renew their, their freaking budget, which is total BS to begin with. You know, they, they just increase it. You know, there's no limit to it, you know. And just borrow more money. Oh, yeah, let's borrow money again. We'll borrow money again, you know? And just cast a kingdom to any agreement now when it's controlled by the Republicans to begin with. Wasn't planning on talking about that, but it just was staring me in the face. <sighs> I'm going to take a break here. 
I gotta tell you, I'm really not enjoying the show tonight. I'm really, uh, I'm really concerned about what I'm seeing going on here. And even worse, I can't find my freaking ad again. <laughs> Let's see. Let me just look at it. I'll search for it. You guys want to put up with me here? If people only had any idea the way I'm. Uh, the fugazi way here. I got this show set up and <laughs> the way I broadcast this thing. If I, I got a guy here locally who's a nice guy. He's offered to come down here and help me um, set up my equipment the correct way. I'm so embarrassed. And I, I'm, I promise I'm going to get a hold of you, dude. I promise this time. And he just contacted me again through Twitter. Great guy. Put up with me in my uh, procrastination. But when this guy comes in and sees the way I do things, man. <laughs> The way, I, the way I pull in these uh, ads and stuff like that is going to be cracking up. Okay, we'll be right back after these messages. And now a word from our sponsors. Archival Revival, the Christian Film Archive, is currently paying for vintage Christian films. They are dedicated to preserving and restoring classic Christian films and media. So if you have original prints, negatives, or other film elements of classic Christian films, or you have audio recording masters for classic Christian record albums, they want to buy them from you. So email archival.revival at gmail.com, and they're going to make you an offer. Archival Revival wants to preserve these classic Christian films so that they continue saving people for years. These films have brought people to salvation. They want to continue that. Their staff has decades of experience in handling and preserving of film elements, utilize the very best climate-controlled film storage facilities around the world. Contact them today at archival.revival at gmail.com. If there's someone you know has these prints, negatives, recording masters, or other materials from vintage Christian films, you can check out their blog at archivalrevival.blogspot.com. Now, just so you understand, Archival Revival wants to pay you for these films. So you can look in your church attic, in the church basement. If you have a friend who runs a Christian youth ministry, these youth vacation Bible study camp, they have these old films in those big metal containers, 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter. Archival Revival wants to buy them from you. So this is a sponsor that actually wants to give you money. And all you have to do is contact them, tell them what you have. If you're in the UK or Ireland or Africa, uh, these films are all over the world and they're gathering dust and they're going to deteriorate if they don't get into the hands of Archival Revival. So that's archival.revival at gmail.com. Or the blog spot is archivalrevival.blogspot.com. Don't forget, this show is brought to you by pscoco.com. Phoebe Saad is an independent curator with the Cocoa Exchange. The Cocoa Exchange is formerly known as Dove Chocolate Discoveries, and they make the finest silky smooth chocolate because the products start with the best cocoa beans, which are tested for quality and flavor by expert technicians. The Cocoa Exchange offers not just premium chocolates, but anything from sauces and spices, to brownie and cake mixes, and even coffee and martini mixes. If you wish to treat yourself or someone you love to a sweet and tasty gift, then the Cocoa Exchange is the brand for you. So you go to pscoco.com, you click on the Shop Now button, you can see all their beautiful chocolates, you can order it right now tonight, it could be in your mailbox in a couple of days, or if you want to get into the chocolate business, you want to be a, a chocolatier just like Phoebe Saad, click the Contact Us button, and you can learn how to get your own website, go into the Cocoa Chocolate Business, and sell chocolate and make a little bit of money there. 
Remember, all these shows on Awake are brought to you by emailrevealer.com. You can go to emailrevealer.com and get a copy of my book, How to Become a Successful Private Investigator. But you also do all kinds of different services for you. An online dating service investigation is called an online infidelity investigation. And that's where you give us your husband or your boyfriend, your girlfriend's email address, and we trace it back to their online dating websites. And we return a list of all the dating sites that that email is registered to. We can expand on that investigation and trace it back to porn sites, escort service sites, swinger sites, gambling websites, and even prescription drug websites. If you think your ex-husband or something is addicted to prescription medication, or involved in an extreme online pornography addiction, we can produce a report for you that you can use in court. Adoption investigations. If you want to locate your birth parents or your, or your birth child you gave away for adoption, we can do, do adoption investigations for you. Asset searches for you. Locate bank accounts, hidden assets, hidden properties, hidden income, all different kinds of services in the asset search investigation. Email tracing. If you need to locate or identify somebody from just an email address, we can do an email trace investigation for you and all kinds of digital forensics, computer and cell phone digital forensics, where we can recover deleted content from an email or a hard drive and produce a report for you that you can use in court. That's emailrevealer.com or you can contact me at oppermaninvestigations at gmail.com. Okay, welcome to the Oanon Report. I am your host, Oanon, a cryptic uh, whistleblower with a high-level security clearance from the uh, Department of Transportation. <laughs> By the way, you guys, if you don't realize, this QAnon thing, right, that I'm making fun of today, the Q-level clearance is the, is the Department of Energy. <laughs> it's okay. How this guy would know about it, uh, an overthrow of the government, whatever this guy's talking about, a pedophile arrest? How this guy would have access to that from the Department of Energy, I don't know. But you tell me, okay? And come back and tell me that. Explain that to me one day. In keeping with our theme, though, tonight. I want to talk to you about something else that's really upsetting me and uh, worrying me. Private security guard shoots armed robbery suspect at convenience store. In South Avalon Boulevard in Gardenia, California, December 30th, 2017, at 11.35 p.m. Now, there's this video going around on YouTube. It's got like a million and a half hits on YouTube. But also two people are uploading it to uh, Facebook and sharing it. And what this thing is, it's this convenience store there in Gardenia. 11.30 at night on a Saturday night, right? And you got these two little skinny kids, these little teenage kids. What's their age? Like 16 years old, these kids, man. 16 years old. My God. This thing upset me so much when I saw this that I contacted the uh, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Information Bureau to get a copy of their press release on this. You know, they sent it to me. Because I had assumed. Anyway, let me tell you what's going on in this video. These two young kids, I am just for the sake of discussion, whatever, they're two black kids, right? Two skinny black teenagers go into this uh, convenience store and they're all nervous and shaking. 
and they decide to stick up this uh, kid behind the counter. He seems to be like an Indian kid. And he's even skinnier and smaller than these other two guys, which is hard to believe. <clears throat> and they jump over the counter, and uh, the kid has a, a gun in his hand. Or what looks to be a gun. In his hand. He jumps over the counter, and they start going through the... Filling up the backpack with money. Now, for people who don't know, these convenience stores, uh, especially in these bad neighborhoods, right? When you open up a drawer in the morning, you have any kind of uh, cash register, right? you put $70 in there. There's $70 worth of bills and change. That's what, what, you, what you set up your drawer with, right? And these convenience stores in these bad neighborhoods, high-crime neighborhoods, what they'll do is... <clears throat> Once you get over like $120, they, they, there's an envelope. You put it in the envelope and you, you tear it off and you write down, okay, the $40 in this envelope. And you put the $40, that little tag in the drawer. So when you count up the drawer at the end of the night, you know, you count up the drawer. Plus, you know, the $40, $80, $120. And then you put the money in the envelope and then there's a, a, a timed safe that you stick it in there. You slide it in a little slot there, but you can't open it up because they know that people want to come in and rob them. Okay, if you had a, a five hundred, six hundred dollars in the register, people would come in like in the old days, like they used to do. before they figured this stuff out, they'd go in and they'd rob the, the the whole thing, the whole drawer. But nowadays, anybody who's a stick up guy knows that there's no more than a hundred bucks in that register ever. Hundred twenty bucks tops if you if it's busy when you when you get in there when there's a line of people they don't have time to uh, to, to empty out the drawer. <clears throat> So there's about 70 bucks in that drawer. Okay, maybe, let's say it's 150 bucks in that drawer. Or let's say there's 200 bucks in that drawer. So these two stupid teenagers, man, they're in there and they put their hoodies on and they're shaking like a leaf. And then they're going to rob this kid, this little tiny Indian kid, right? Even smaller than them and shaking even harder than they are. And there's a video of this, right? And who comes swaggering in? This big, tough security guard, shaved head, man, another black guy, big, big, tough guy, muscles on muscles, okay, could smack these guys, could, he could go in there, man, and just smack these guys, his voice would, would uh, knock these kids down, but he comes walking in, man, and he shoots down these two little teenagers, and at one point, the kid says to him, my gun's not real. He goes, well, mine is, you know, you got, you picked the wrong one. You picked the wrong, whoever owned this secure, this, um, convenience store went out and hired a guy who's capable of murder. Okay. When he, when you're interviewing that guy, okay, they hired a guy that they knew was going to come in there and shoot somebody dead for whatever his paycheck is every week. Okay. Which, you know, I guess if you live in certain neighborhoods, man, you know, maybe you need that kind of thing, right? But <clears throat> someone somewhere made a decision that said, well, I want to keep that 70 bucks in my drawer more than I want to keep the life of these two kids. It's more important. That $70 in that drawer is more important to me than the, than the life of these two little teenage boys. So he comes swaggering in, he shoots down these two kids. And I watch this, man, and I'm in shock. Now, just the fact that we have uh, something called YouTube, you know, that shows 
people 30 days ago, <clears throat> not even 30 days, it's December 30th, 19 days ago, one guy shooting two other guys. Now, now, when I grew up as a kid, you know, the age of these two little teenagers robbing a store, we didn't have that on TV. And if we did, there'd be a warning. First, oh, we're going to show you something very disturbing here. And, and, and my God, it, growing up at that age, if, if we to show some guy shooting two little teenage kids who didn't even have a real gun, there would be an uproar and be an outrage. What happened here? Where did we go wrong? But people I know and people I respect are sharing this video and showing it. Ha, 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 ha. They got what they deserved. I would have done the same thing. Those two bad guys met a good guy with a gun. <clears throat> like this guy who could have went there and smacked these kids. Took their little gun away out of their pocket. Comes in nonchalance and shoots him down like a thug. Is <sighs> some kind of hero. That's no hero to me, man. I gotta tell you, that's no hero to me. And anybody could share that video like it's just something normal or whatever. I, I, another of uh, this vegan people, man, uh, earlier in the month too, shared this video of a. Uh, I think it was these calves or these sheep or something. Being uh, slaughtered, you know, like, my God, why show that? You know, anybody who's um, still eating meat, you know, you're going you're gonna to see that you're not going to care because you're still addicted to the meat. The meat changes. You get off the meat for a few months. You see that you have a heart for it. You say, oh, my God, what, uh, kill an animal. What? Take an animal product, put it in my food, take milk or cheese, but put that in my food. That's disgusting. But if you still meat, eat meat, you don't, you don't uh, understand that. But this thing about this guy shooting down these two kids and people saying, well, this is a, he's a hero. And a couple of people are describing him as the good Samaritan. <laughs> that this guy, this, this, this hired killer is a good Samaritan. And I know what they're thinking. They think, well, he's a he's a, he's a good guy. He's protecting the, the storekeeper from getting arrested, from getting shot or getting robbed. So he's a good guy, you know. But to compare him to the good Samaritan is a complete and utter perversion of that scripture, of that parable. It is the most it's turning it upside down in every possible way. And if you're not familiar with this, you know, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the expert in the law says, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? See, and that's where Jesus tells a story about a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho 
when he's attacked by robbers and he stripped him of his clothes and they beat him. And they went away leaving him half dead. And a priest came by. But he turned to the other side of the road. He crossed the road and he kept walking. He passed him on the other side. And a Levite came by. And he also passed by and went on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan. And you got to remember the Samaritans at the time where they were looked down on. These, were not, these weren't the... Uh, they were lower class. They were despised. Okay. But the Samaritan saw him. He took pity on him. He cleaned him up. He picked him up, put him on his horse. He bandaged him, took him, put him, uh, uh, took him to a hotel. And he paid for the hotel bill. And he says, told the hotel guys, take care of this guy. When I'm, when I return, I'll pay the bill. I'll, I'll take care of him even more. Feed him, clothe him until I get back. Because we're to love our neighbor. As much as I love myself. And that doesn't mean. <laughs> shooting my neighbor down over a $70 bill. Because uh, my neighbor is going to be taking $70 out of a cash drawer. And he's going to get away with $70. Oh my God. Let me shoot him down and kill him. Two of them. Kids. That's a good Samaritan. That's a perversion of the good Samaritan. Now, I know there's a lot of men out there that will say, well, Ed, you know, I'm going to protect my family and no one's going to take from me. And I've got pride and I've got courage, you know. And I told the story myself many times about how, you know, when I was walking home from school, that kid owed me 10 bucks and he was on his porch there. And he had his friends with him and he had a hammer in his hand. And I still went there and I, I fought all three guys with the hammer. <laughs> okay. Okay, just to prove a point to get my 10 bucks. And I got to tell you, too, there's a lot of times, too, I'm sure. Like, I get road rage. I get upset. And there's a lot of times, too, that I know for a fact if someone tried to stick me up and I don't have 10 bucks in my pocket, I'm not going to just turn over my 10 bucks. I'm going to go down fighting. But that's not something to be admired. That's something I should be ashamed of, that, that, uh, that, that, that I would count money over a man's life. Or over a child's life, who has their whole life ahead of them. Now these kids, they got shot. They, you know, they, they're they're doing well. Okay, they're not gonna have a. They, they didn't lose a kidney. They didn't lose a spine. Okay, and they're, they're young kids. They'll probably rebound from this easily. Uh, until they're you know fifty, sixty years old, they're gonna have some pains. You know, coming up. But to say that we admire this man to shoot down these kids, that's not something to admire that's something to be ashamed of that's a flaw in our character that we should be trying to overcome but it's the same thing it's the same thing it's the same thing as the, these what are the name of these people here these crazy 13 these turpins who've lost touch with reality like this security guard has lost touch with reality and the owners of this convenience store that would hire a, a murderer has lost touch with humanity and reality. Like QAnon and his wacky followers have completely lost touch with reality and just will grasp at any little straw that any little clue is correct and look over this more. And what's going to happen is, is that Mr. Trump is going to go out and arrest all the pedophiles. He's going to round them up, but he's a hero. But what do we see this week about our hero, Mr. Trump? 
we see the story of Stormy Daniels. Now, I've been talking to you about this story, okay, since July of 2016. The story I heard at the time was that uh, this woman, this porn star, had photographs of herself on Trump's plane. They were very incriminating photographs, and she was trying to sell them to the tabloids. And that uh, the tabloids were, weren't paying her, and they were tipping off Trump. Now, a course of events happened here that I can't talk about right now. Okay? Because something instigated uh, the people involved in this case to go and, 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 and come up with this deal where she was able to get an attorney and she was able to get an agent to represent her interests. And they negotiated with Trump's lawyer and what's public right now is they got a $130,000 payment. Knowing the people involved, I believe that that's $130,000 a year, that they're going to be getting $130,000 a year for, for a 10, 20-year period. Okay? Uh, Stormy Daniels' agent is a woman named Gina Rodriguez. She was my agent. Okay? She's the woman who hired me for the Tiger Woods case and for many cases that I worked on, Ashton Kutcher and all these, they're all public stuff. It's all out of public. I'm not disclosing any kind of private information of what my relationship with Gina Rodriguez. Google Ed Opperman, Gina Rodriguez, and you'll see what the stuff we've done together. And the attorney who represents uh, Stormy Daniels is Keith Davidson, excellent attorney in California. I've referred many clients to Keith Davidson. We've had other kind of relationships together. I would use him if I was in trouble. I'd contact him. In fact, I do contact when I'm in, when I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay. He's the one who negotiated this lawsuit. Okay. So I'm very familiar with the situation. Let's put it that way. I'm not disclosing any kind of client privilege. No one hired me in that case. I have no client in that case whatsoever. But I do know what went, went down. Okay. Very clearly. For people to say, well, she's a liar. I can tell you right now, knowing the people involved, if she was a liar, it would have ended right there. This, this would not have uh, proceeded. She's not a liar. Well, the photos could be photoshopped. I could tell you right now, the photos are real. By the way, this is Ed Opperman. Not Owenon or QAnon or Mystery Blah Blah Blah, Anonymous Quackaroo. You can look me up, okay? You know where to find me. You know the stuff I've told you before, the stuff I've been involved with before. Okay? This is what I know for a fact. What I'm telling you now is there's the potential here from what I know about the, the course of events with this story and the people involved is that... If you really want to see justice out there and you want to see uh, pedophiles rounded up and you really want to see some uh, uh, justice for victims, this there's the potential here in this case to have that happen for real. Now, you got to give up your fantasy that Trump's a good guy. You've, you've got to throw that away. You know, the make-believe stuff has to go out the window. And we have to live in reality. You, you can't be... David and Louise Turpin. Okay. You got to live in reality. So smack yourself in the face. Put some, put some water, cold water on your face and wake up. 
there's a potential here with this case, with this Stormy Daniels and the people around it, that if the right, if there's hearings, if there's congressional hearings to look into this, which I can tell you for a fact, I could testify in court is real. Um, there's a potential here because there's a lot of other stuff involved. The Corey Haim, Corey Feldman case is involved in this. Charlie Sheen's involved in this. Jeffrey Epstein is involved in this. There's a chain of events, a link, a thread that weaves through all these different cases, guys. Okay? And if we can get hearings on this, if we can bring this to Congress, to the judicial, congressional judiciary hearings, okay, and get the right guy in there to testify to what he knows and get the right guy in there to start blurting stuff out, what he knows, we could see some real justice. Okay? If you want real justice, if you want the Mexicans and a wall and you want racism and you want, if that's what you want, then say that and go for that. Get your tiki torch and go do that. But stop saying you want to take down elite pedophile rings. And you want to do all this other stuff. Okay? Because that's not what you want to do. <sighs> we got a chance here. If you're a praying man, get down on your knees and pray. We have a chance here. We have an opportunity here. The tip of the iceberg has been exposed. And people who know these circle of events and how these things work and how escort services work and how blackmail rings work and how all this kind of stuff works can appear before Congress and we can get some real stuff exposed for real. If that's what you really want. And if you're going to contact me and tell me, oh, Ed, you know, I want to interview you, but, oh, uh, you know, the, the dossier is fake and, blah, 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 and, and, and tell me stuff that I know for a fact is real. <laughs> okay, you're wasting your time. You're just draining my time, wasting your time. Now, one last thing here. We're almost out of time. I just want to hit you with this really quick. I know it's not as good as a YouTube video or about a strobe light or, a, or a, you know, an Arabian uh, Saudi coup. Or, or the, the, the fantastic levitating Four Seasons Hotel that levitates up off the ground and lands on top of the Mandalay Bay. <laughs> okay, well, all this kind of crazy stuff out there. But what I did for you today was I went out and I contacted the LVMPD, the Las Vegas Metro Police Department. Not the LVPD, which exists in Fantasyland and QAnon land. Okay, but the actual LVMPD, Las Vegas Metro Police. And just today they came out with their 80 one-page report on the Las Vegas shooting. And you're going to find some stuff in there. If you, if you go to my uh, Facebook page, it's on there. Okay, and I'll put a link here, too, in this uh, this uh, YouTube uh, and this uh, speaker uh, chat room, uh, what do you call, uh, description for you. And you can find it. You can pull it up. Got a PDF here for you. 81 pages of the real thing. It's not a YouTube video, okay? I'm sorry, okay? But it's it's the real police report. Just came out today. Hot off the presses. And by the way, too, I'm just staring right now at a photograph from the window 
so you can see some real photographs and real perspective of what the scene was like and stuff like that. I've seen so many pictures uh, with on these crazy YouTube videos and this nonsense that show the, the, the view from the from the highway of the Mandalay Bay. <laughs> it's just complete insanity. It's just unbelievable. But there's uh, diagrams of the room and all this kind of stuff like that. Now, all these theories about that this was a Saudi coup, an assassination attempt because it was the Saudis on the for Four Seasons and the top floors of the Mandalay Bay and all this nonsense. If you read this, they did searches of the computers. This guy was, his real plan to do the Life is Beautiful concert, which was a few days before this. Okay, and he had rented rooms at the Ogden uh, Hotel, which overlooked the Life is Beautiful concert. And that, that, he was going to shoot that place up. And all this nonsense about, well, how do you get all these guns? How do you know? There's no video. There's 20,000 hours of video. So all these crazy memes and stuff like that. Off in fantasy land and all the analysis of your videos, your YouTube videos and your analysis of this and analysis of that. Okay, it's all out the window. Now, there's a lot of garbage in this uh, report as well. Stuff that I could tell you firsthand from talking to, at this point, probably over 200 firsthand witnesses. <laughs> okay, I live here, man. I, you, you go to the bank, you go to the supermarket, you meet someone who was there, who worked at the Mandalay Bay, who worked uh, over at the, the Four Seasons, who, who know, lived on, you know, worked right around there, driving down the street, drove into Uber that night. Okay. <sighs> A couple of things that are total BS in this report. And they go over and over about how the police were helping, uh, guiding and, and administering first aid and helping victims get over to the uh, uh, to transportation to the hospital. None of that's true. I've no, I have not talked to one person who's, who saw a cop help a, a single civilian in this case. Also, too, I couldn't find this report, but it was 81 pages that I read before the show tonight. There was a, a police a, a accidental discharge up on the 30th floor or whatever floor it was. Uh, and I believe that the co- it's the cops who shot the security guard, not the uh, the Pollock. There's also some bizarre stuff in there too about how um, Pollock was sending himself emails. Now, for people who understand how this works, um, there is a way to communicate for two people to communicate with each other without sending emails. If you create an email account and we both have the password to it. And we'd send our messages in the draft box. You never actually hit send. It's just in the draft box. Then the next person comes along, he deletes it. And you can do that without leaving a trace. And certain email, I'm not going to give away the whole store. With, with certain email companies, you can get away with that. And there's other forums where you can use their chat boards and their message boards. Again, a draft box type, instant messaging type of thing where you use a draft box. That it's really hard to find that and detect that, especially if you got two people who have the same exact kind of device. They they bought their laptops at the same time and they both have the same wireless service and the same iPhone and the same operating system and the same Verizon or AT&T service. It would be very hard to detect that there's two different people accessing that draft box. Uh, this is what I do for a living. Okay. So there's something there. Uh, also, there's some interesting stuff about ordering two meals up there in the, in the hotel as well. So if you want to hear the real report, it's 81 pages. You could read this. It's on my Facebook. 
It'll be in the description of this page here. It's not a YouTube video. I'm sorry. You know, it's not a video of a strobe light or a helicopter flying around or or the Hooters Hotel or the nonsense. I've I've blocked and deleted so many morons uh, for their fantasies and their crazy hysteria. Uh, And and hopefully now that they'll read this and and they'll come down a little bit to reality. Now, I know a lot of people will say, Ed, you got to understand the police lie. I'm telling you that the police are lying. I know the police. I know the police are in Las Vegas. I know they lie. Okay. But I also know a friend of mine was the person in charge, the volunteer in charge of the family resource center who dealt with the cops, the lawyers, the insurance companies, the hotels, the press, the victims, the victims' families. She's been on the show. She has helped me book guests on the show. When she's been in trouble, she's come to me for help. By the way, too, the people involved in this uh, Stormy uh, Daniels thing, when they've been in trouble, they come to me for help, too. Okay, this is what I'm trying to tell you here. I'm not queuing on. I'm a real guy that when people are in trouble in these situations, they come to me to get them out of trouble. You know, and I'm a little frustrated with this. Uh, you know, I'm throwing my life away here trying to give you facts and news and real, real reality stuff here. And, 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 and some idiot queuing on can make up some cryptic nonsense. And it's retweeted and rebooted and rebotted all over the freaking place. And a, and a million people are buying into this nonsense like it's reality. <sighs> and I do this to my great peril in real life. Okay. I suffer consequences for what I do here. You know, I come out on here every Friday night. I don't even, I'm not even enjoying this tonight. Okay. We're done. Coming up next is Pierce Redmond. He has Wayne Madsen and some other guy on his show talking about um, Maria, uh, who was involved in the Epstein lawsuit, the Trump Epstein lawsuit. Uh, they, they seem to think that they have a lead on this kid. That um, Katie Doe and her witnesses claim that uh, Trump and Epstein said, well, we you'll wind up like Maria who wound up dead or whatever missing. And they think they got a lead on this. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, as far as I know, no one knows who Maria is. But if they think they know what they've done some work on it, I haven't looked into it. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, but that's coming up next on the Pierce Redmond Porkins Policy Show. And I love Pierce. He does great work. All right, guys. Good night. Thank you so much.